Good morning, dear friends. I hope everyone can hear clearly enough. I begin the practice of mindfulness at the age of 16. I was ordained as a novice monk at the age of 16. And the first, uh, the first uh, book, text of mindfulness contains uh, a number of verses each, uh, each verse has four lines and uh, each line has five words was written in classical Chinese When I wake up in the morning, I am supposed to read uh, the first verse, the first line of a verse, and then breathe. And uh, when I breathe in, breathe in, I read the first line silently inside. And then when I breathe out, I I. I read the second line, and then one in-breath for the third line, and one in-breath for the fourth line. That is, uh, that is a verse that helped me to be mindful when I wake up. And uh, the gata, the first gata, the first verse, it goes like this. Waking up in the morning, I smile. The first thing you do in the morning is to smile. Wake up, waking up in the morning, I smile. And you breathe in and you smile. <laughs> and then when you breathe out, you read the second line. I have 24 brand new hours to live. And that is a gift of life. 24 hours, 24 brand new hours to live. That's a lot. And then when I breathe in again, I read the third line. I vow to live uh, these 24 hours uh, deeply, each hour deeply. I, I will not waste them. I don't allow anger and fear and jealousy uh, to, to prevent me to, to live uh, deeply these uh, 24 hours given to me. And the last line is, uh, and I learn, and I make the vow to learn to look at people around me with the eyes of compassion. And that is the first uh, verse. And the novice has to memorize all these verses in order to practice mindfulness. Waking up in the morning, I smile. I have 24 brand new hours to live. 
I vow to leave them deeply and learn to look at people around me with the eyes of compassion. So there's no thinking, just breathing and uh, re- remembering uh, to live in such a way that you will not waste your life. And uh, when you brush your teeth, there is one verse for you to brush your teeth. So that while you're brushing your teeth, you can be happy, you can be mindful, you appreciate the water, you appreciate uh, um, the time you have in order to brush your teeth. Uh, when you put on uh, your rope, there is uh, one verse for you to to practice. And uh, when you sit down, there is a verse for you to sit down. Mm. Or a novice, before he sit down, he breathes and read a verse. You don't see, uh, you don't hear anything, but a novice is supposed to practice mindfulness of breathing while sitting down. And it goes like this. Mm. Sitting down here is like sitting at the foot of the Bodhi tree and uh, wake up like a Buddha. Uh, and uh, I'm sitting down and, and allowed myself to be free, not to be uh, bound by um, afflictions like anger and fear, I sit down like a, as a free person. So there are about 50, 50 verses like that for a novice to learn by heart uh, so that he or she can practice mindfulness throughout the day and enjoy uh, every moment of his daily life. And we have uh, translated uh, these uh, verses <laughs> into English, uh, French, and so on. And you might like to use them in order to practice mindfulness uh, or breathing uh, so that you improve the quality of your daily life. Uh, and we have invented new verses like uh, riding a bicycle because uh, the text is very ancient. There's no verse for riding the bicycle. So I invented a verse to ride the bicycle. And you, you may be, uh, it may be interesting for you to know that I am one of the first Buddhist monks in Vietnam to ride on a bicycle. That's very modern. <laughs> very modern. Now people drive a car, uh, use scooter, but at that time for a monk to ride on a bicycle is something very new. Very new. And now we have also uh, a verse for you to use when you are about to make a phone call. Call me, 
telephone meditation. You are holding, uh, you are holding the phone, and you want to call him or her. So you breathe in with one line, and breathe out with the second line, and breathe in with the third line, and without uh, breathe out with the fourth line. And you are calm after that, and the quality of the talk will be better. Words can travel. Uh, thousands of kilometers. They can build more understanding and love. I vow that what I'm going to say will promote uh, mutual understanding and love, and every word I say will be beautiful like flowers or embroideries. So before you, you, you compose the number, and you hold the telephone, and you enjoy breathing in and out two times and reading that, and you are fresh enough to make the telephone call. And when you hear the sound uh, on the other, at the end of the line, you know that the other person is not answering you right away because she is practicing breathing also. <laughs> Yes, in Plumlees, when you hear the telephone, you are not supposed to answer right away. The sound of the telephone is considered to be a bell of mindfulness. Because if you don't practice, the sound of the telephone might disturb you a little bit. Who is calling? Good news or bad news? But if you are a practitioner of telephone meditation and then you stay where you are, and you listen to the sound of the telephone, and you breathe in and out and calm yourself. So next time when you call Plum Village, and if you don't get an answer right away, <laughs> you know that uh, they are breathing in and out. And if you know that they are breathing in and out, you tell yourself, they are breathing in and out, why not me? <laughs> so you don't wait, you just enjoy breathing in and breathing out again until the other person uh, answers the phone. That's called a med uh, telephone meditation. <coughs> there is a... Uh, uh, a, a lay Dharma teacher in India, Shantum, and his mother was uh, uh, the president of uh, the, the Supreme Court. And when we visited her, we uh, talked about uh, telephone meditation, and she found it very helpful. So she she used. Uh, uh, the practice of uh, telephone meditation. Imagine in the city of Barcelona, everyone is practicing <laughs> telephone meditation. There will be much more peace and happiness and mutual understanding and love because uh, we have the time to refresh ourselves 
to improve uh, the quality of our talking. Uh, by talking, we can uh, promote more understanding and and love, and so on. In the Plum Village uh, Shandin book, you can find uh, a few dozens of uh, verses like that. And if you want, you can memorize them and enjoy practicing them in your daily life. Sitting down, begin to walk. Uh, there is one for you to, uh, to wash your dishes. Because uh, it may be um, pleasant uh, to, uh, to do the dishes. You can enjoy washing the dishes, breathing, and using uh, a gata. Everything done in mindfulness can bring you joy and happiness, including uh, starting a car. There is one for you to start your car. And of course, uh, when an unpleasant feeling is coming up, uh, you have a gata in order to practice, in order to take care of the painful feeling is uh, going up. And these uh, verses are very, um, very helpful for the life of a practitioner. Mindfulness, uh, the practice of mindfulness can be, can be very concrete. And there are five areas of practicing mindfulness. And the first uh, is uh, to um, pro protect life, protecting life. Because life is so precious. You have to uh, protect your own life, protect yourself, protect the life of people you love, and uh, protect the lives of uh, other living beings, including animals, plants, and minerals. And to, uh, to protect uh, the planet Earth, and that is the first uh, mindfulness training. Reverence for life, protecting life. There are many uh, young people who kill themselves every day because they don't know how to handle a strong emotion. And the practice of mindfulness can help them not to destroy themselves like that.
I think if uh, school teachers and parents know the practice, they can transmit it to uh, the young people. In countries like Japan, every year about 30,000 people commit suicide. 30,000, that is a lot. In Hong Kong, in uh, United Kingdom, in America, everywhere young people are killing themselves because they don't know how to handle a strong emotion. And the practice of uh, mindful breathing, mindful walking can help us to handle a strong emotion. And we should know how to do it and uh, tell the young people how to do it. We help save uh, their life. When a strong emotion is coming, we know it is coming. We are aware that it is coming. So we stop doing things and we stop thinking because if we continue to think, the emotion becomes stronger and stronger. And we go back to the practice of mindful breathing right away. Whether you are in a sitting position or you are in a lying position, you practice mindful, deep breathing. Bring your, your mind down to the level of uh, uh, of the stomach and uh, focus your attention on the rising and falling of the stomach. Breathing in, I know it's rising. Breathing out, I know it's uh, falling. If you are in a lying position, you may like to put uh, your hand on your stomach. And you breathe in, you feel that your stomach is rising. Breathing out, you feel, you feel the stomach is uh, falling. And try to breathe as deeply as possible and focus your attention only on the rising and falling of uh, the stomach. And you maintain that kind of uh, this insight that uh, a strong emotion is uh, something that comes, stay for a while, and go. It's impermanent. And you are much more than an emotion. And emotion is uh, just a tiny thing. But you, you are much more than an emotion. You are made of body, feelings, perceptions, mental formations, consciousness. The territory of uh, your being is large, and an emotion is uh, just a little bit of you. And why do you have to die because of one emotion? An emotion is like a storm. 
And if you know how to handle a storm, you survive very well. So that kind of insight should be maintained alive during the time you, you handle the emotion. The practice is easy enough. Stop the thinking. Bring your attention down to the level of the navel. And practice breathing in and out and become aware of the rise and fall of your abdomen. And maintain that inside alive. An emotion is just one emotion. I don't have to die because just, just because of one emotion. It comes and it will go away. And if you focus your attention on only on the in-breath and out-breath, the rising and falling of your abdomen, you are safe. Mindfulness is protecting you. There's no thinking. There's only the breathing and the calming. And five minutes later, uh, eight, it will go away and you can survive the emotion. And the next time when the emotion comes, you are no longer afraid. I know how to handle it. I'm not afraid. But uh, we should not wait until uh, a strong emotion comes in order to begin the practice. Because uh, naturally, we will forget to practice. And we allow ourselves to be carried away by the strong emotion. We have to practice mindful breathing every day. The practice of uh, deep breathing, uh, belly breathing, abdomen breathing, a few minutes a day. And in a few weeks, it becomes a habit. And when a strong emotion, a painful feeling comes, we will remember to practice. And we will be able to survive the emotion very well. Your little boy, your little girl may got into a crisis with a strong emotion. You might like to hold his hand and say, Darling, uh, breathe in with mommy. Don't you see that when we breathe in, our uh, stomach is rising? And when we are breathing out, our stomach is uh, falling? So you, you do the guided meditation for, for the child. And as you have the energy of mindfulness, you transmit to the little boy or the little girl. And you train your little boy or little girl to breathe in and out and to take care of the strong emotion. And this is uh, possible. Later on, uh, 
the boy and the girl can do it by himself. And as uh, school teachers, we, we might like to, to do that for uh, our students who are in trouble, who are being carried away by strong emotion. And we can also ask other children, other students to help. Suppose in the class there is uh, a boy who is uh, in crisis. It does not seem that we can calm him down. So we ask the whole class to practice in order to support the man, the, the, the boy. And you can prepare so that you and your students can practice mindful breathing, uh, generating that uh, energy, collective energy of mindfulness and peace, and help um, uh, the boy that is in crisis. And, and he's aware of uh, the love, the compassion uh, of the whole group, the whole class, and he goes sufferless. So uh, parents and teachers should uh, master the practice and transmit the practice of uh, deep uh, abdomen breathing to the young people. It's very important. That is something uh, that should be taught in school. The second uh, realm of the practice is uh, the realm of uh, true happiness. Practicing true happiness. I think uh, I think uh, a discussion on true happiness should be taken up as an as an topic because so many people believe that happiness is made of uh, fame, power, money, and sensual pleasure. And we know that there are many people who have plenty of these things. Uh, they suffer very deeply. And many of them, many of them commit suicide also. <coughs> so we should uh, <coughs> try to help the young people to see that true happiness is made of uh, understanding and love. In fact, love is uh, born from understanding. If you do not understand someone, you cannot love him or her and make him or her happy.
So it might be helpful to ask the other person, darling, do you, th- do you think that I understand you? Do you think that I have understood you enough? If not, please help me. And we know that uh, understanding ourselves will help to understand the other person. We need to understand our own suffering, our own um, difficulties, before we can understand the suffering and the difficulty of the other person. When you feel understood, you feel loved. So what you can offer to the person you love is understanding. And understanding that is something that can grow every day. In true love, uh, understanding is growing every day. And you have to feed your love with understanding. You have to try to understand the other person especially the difficulties, the suffering in him or in her. And if you need it, uh, you can ask that person to help. A father may be uh, motivated by making his uh, son happy. But if the father does not understand the suffering and the difficulty of the son. The more he try, uh, the more he make his son suffer. Because understanding is very important. That is why father should ask son, my son, do you think I understand your problem? I understand your difficulties? And the son, in order to be able to love his father, should do the same. Father, do you think that I understand that I understand you? Your suffering, your difficulties, please tell me. So understanding is a practice. And last night we have uh, uh, talked about uh, the practice of deep listening and loving speech uh, that can help us to uh, understand the suffering and to restore communication. So to love means to understand. Uh, Understanding is the other word for love. If you don't love someone, you cannot... if If you don't understand someone, you cannot love him or her. Cultivating understanding and creating love and compassion. That is the true uh, elements of happiness. A person without understanding and love cannot be a happy person. With plenty of understanding and love, even if you don't have a lot of money, fame, profit, you are a happy person anyway. And that is why mindfulness is a kind of practice that can help us to understand um, what is uh, true happiness. True happiness is not made with the objects of cravings, 
like fame, power, wealth, and sensual pleasures, but with understanding and compassion. The kingdom of God is a place where there is a lot of understanding and love. And we can contribute into generating more understanding and love and make the place uh, a real uh, kingdom for all of us. The third uh, area of uh, practice, mindfulness, is uh, the practice of true love. We learned that uh, uh, sexual desire, sexual desire is not love. People mix up between the two, love and sexual desire. Sexual desires very often destroy love and create a lot of uh, suffering. And the young people, they don't know most of them don't know what is true love. So as school teachers, as parents, we have to help them. And... Uh, Girls and boys in high school, mm-hmm. they suffer a lot because they don't know what is true love. And they are losing the most precious thing within themselves and they continue to suffer for all, all their life because they don't know exactly what is uh, true love. A boy asked uh, her girlfriend, his girlfriend, to send him a, a picture of her uh, nude. And the girl did not want to do it. But she's afraid that uh, the boy will abandon her. So she, she, she had to send him her picture, taken by her own uh, telephone. And the boy showed that picture to his friends. And small things like that happen everywhere and make uh, the young people suffer very deeply. And that is what's going on 
with the younger generation. They don't know exactly what is true love. And that is why teaching true love to the young people is very important. Uh, telling them that sexual desire is not love, and tell them that true love is made of uh, compassion, loving kindness, joy, and non-discrimination. Maitri is uh, the Sanskrit word for loving kindness. It's very much like a friendship, friendship. Maitri is the first element of true love. That is uh, friendship, brotherhood, sisterhood. It has the power to offer happiness. You can generate uh, joy and happiness. You can help uh, generate a feeling of joy and happiness in him or in her. And that is my dream. True love should offer happiness. not the intention to offer happiness. Because uh, you may have a lot of intention to make someone happy, but the way you do it, make him or her suffer. So it's not the, the intention to love, but the capacity to make someone happy. If you practice uh, mindful breathing, mindful walking, and restore your freshness, your beauty, your calm. And you can offer these elements to him or to her. That is my dream. You are so pleasant. You are so fresh. So pleasant to be with. You can generate uh, joy, happiness, and peace and you can help him or her to generate joy, happiness, and peace. That is my dream. That's a true love. And that is a practice. That is a possible as a practice. And the young people can do it. The second, uh, the second uh, element of true love is uh, karuna, which is a compassion. Karuna is, uh, is the capacity to help someone to suffer less. to remove the suffering in him or in her, to transform the suffering in him or in her. And we know that the practice of uh, 
compassionate listening and make a person suffer less. You understand the suffering in him or in her. You help him or her to empty his heart and suffer less. And if you know how to help a person suffer less, you have the element of uh, karuna in your love. And true love should have uh, karuna, the capacity to, to help someone to suffer less. With, a, with the energy of mindfulness and compassion in you, you can do a lot of things. You can help a person to suffer less just by sitting close to him or her, or just saying something full of compassion and understanding. Just show her the way uh, to restore uh, joy and happiness. Many things we can do in order to help a person to suffer less. And the third is mudita. This is a joy. If uh, in loving someone, you make him or her suffer and cry every day. That's not true love. True love should offer joy. And joy is a mark of true love. True love should generate joy for yourself and for him or for her. If you make him or her cry and suffer, that's not true love. And the joy is for both. And the fourth element of true love is uh, upeksha. Upeksha is uh, non-discrimination, inclusiveness. Equanimity. In true love, uh, there is no longer any frontier between you and her and him. Your suffering is his suffering. Her happiness is your happiness. You cannot say, darling, that's your problem. No. Your problem is my problem, darling. So, in true love, there is no longer discrimination between the lover and the beloved. Your happiness is uh, her happiness. Your suffering is his suffering. No discrimination 
you include everyone. You include each other. And if it is uh, true love, it continues to grow every day. The moment when love stops growing, it begins to die. We have witnessed the death of love several times. Love turning into hate and anger because we don't know how to feed our love. The Buddha said that nothing can survive without food. Our depression also, if uh, our depression continues because we keep feeding our depression. And if we know how to stop feeding our depression, our depression will have to die, go away. The same thing is true with our love. If we don't, do not know how to feed our love daily, they will stop growing. They will die slowly. And that is why uh, to practice in order to help our, our love to grow every day uh, is uh, to guarantee happiness, continued happiness. With the practice of uh, upeksha, inclusiveness, your love continues to grow every day. It begins with two persons, but as you are happy in the true love, your love very soon includes a third person, a fourth person, and you don't discriminate anymore. You don't love a person just because that person is the the same countryman, not because that person follow the same uh, religious belief. There is no discrimination whatsoever in true love. And everyone will be included in your love. Your love continue to grow and embrace everyone, not only humans, but also animals, plants, and minerals. That is the love of uh, a great being, including in everything that is uh, upeksha. So the practice of true love has to be taught in school. And school teachers uh, should embody uh, true love.
the fourth uh, the fourth area of the practice is the practice of uh, loving speech and uh, deep listening this is the fourth uh, mindfulness training and yesterday we spoke a little bit about that practice already if we know how to use a loving speech if we can talk uh, lovingly and compassionately to another person that person will open her heart and tell us about the suffering the difficulties that she has and if you know how to listen with compassion and then you can restore communication and bring about reconciliation in the case of uh, school teachers this practice should be done with people in the family first and when we have succeeded with members of our family we can bring the practice to school if we have difficulties with uh, our colleagues and then we can restore communication and reconcile and finally we can bring that into our school without this practice uh, teachers can make uh, students suffer and students can make uh, teachers suffer there's a gap between the two the two generations you can imagine that um, teachers and students sitting together and talking to each other about the suffering they have gone through and teachers have to be able to tell the student that uh, I know you have suffered I know you may have uh, difficulties uh, in your family and so on and if you don't make much progress in your studies this due to these difficulties so please tell me please tell us and the whole class can sit and listen with compassion that will transform a student because other students may have the same kind of suffering it would be lovely if school teachers can sit down and listen to the suffering of uh, he, their, their own students we should have the time to do it last week in a retreat uh, uh, at Madrid during a session of question and answer a boy of uh, 11 came up and asked his question he suffered he began uh, to find difficulty in sleeping and he blamed everything on his mother
I believe that all mothers want their son and their daughters to be happy, and they have a plan, they have ideas as how their sons and their daughters can be happy, and they just deliver that kind of uh, message. The boy suffer even when her mother say good night. Why do you suffer when your mother say good night? Because your mother may mean by good night that don't stay up late, don't play electronic games. There is a blaming in that kind of, uh, of things. And relationship between mother and son has become difficult. So he came up and in front of uh, 600 people, he asked that question. Dear Thay, I, have diffic- I start having difficulties in sleeping, and my mother always like that, uh, imposing things on me and so on. And the mother believed that she is acting out of love. She is prescri- prescribing the right thing for her son to do like a teacher. But uh, the way, the way, the way she, she, she does it uh, did not work because she does not feel well, good in herself. So I answer the boy. You know that mothers, they have their own difficulties and suffering. You believe that uh, you are the only one who suffer, but you don't know that your mother has difficulties and suffering also. And you have uh, not had the time to think about the difficulties and the suffering of your mother. You have not helped your mother to suffer less. In fact, you have reacted in such a way that make uh, you, your mother suffer more. Please think about her. Her suffering and not just your suffering. And uh, you should go and ask your mother what kind of suffering she is uh, undergoing, what kind of difficulties she's ha- she has in herself. Maybe she does not know how to handle the suffering in her. That is why the way she tells you what to do and not what to do makes you irritated. And why I was giving the answer to the, to the young man, many mothers down there are crying. Because we mothers, we also have our own suffering. And our sons and our daughters do not know that we suffer. They just blame us. So your students, uh, they suffer. They have difficulties with their mothers, their fathers, and so on. And talking to them, showing them the practice can help them to suffer less. And you can do better. Because these young people, when they have overcome their difficulties, when they have understood the suffering of their parents, they go back and help their parents. We have organized um, retreats of mindfulness for young people. 
in Europe, in America, Asia. And many young people get transformation and healing during the retreat and went home and helped their parents. And they are able to they, they were able to restore communication with their parents. And many of them are able to invite their parents to join a retreat. So school teachers can do the same. You can help a student to suffer less, to understand, to suffer less. And that student can go home and help their parents to suffer less also. This has been possible with the practice of mindfulness. A retreat of mindfulness usually lasts six days. Our retreat has only two days and a half. And uh, during the first three, four days, we learn how to water the seed of understanding and compassion in us. We learn how to calm down our emotions and feelings. We try to touch the wonders of life, refreshing and healing, to heal ourselves. And that is why on the fifth day, we can put into practice the teaching of deep listening and loving speech. And the miracle of reconciliation always takes place in our retreat. If the other person is in the retreat, that would be easy. Because she or he has been exposed to the teaching and the practice. And the seeds of understanding and compassion have been watered by the Dharma talks, by the practice of uh, mindful breathing and looking deeply. But if the other person is not in the retreat, then then you can use your portable telephone to practice. And usually, uh, we encourage uh, the people to 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 do it uh, uh, before the end of the retreat, and they had uh, until uh, midnight of the fifth day in order to do it. And many people have used telephone, and it works very well. Many people report on the last day of retreat that night before they have telephone to their parents, their partner, using the techniques of uh, compassionate listening and love and speech. 
restore communication and reconcile. So the miracle of reconciliation always takes place in our retreat. And this can be done in the classroom. I believe that uh, we have, as a school teachers, we have to tell our students of our difficulties and our suffering. School teachers do suffer. And we have the right to tell our students uh, about that. We can begin our class by saying that uh, in order to improve uh, the quality of the teaching and the learning, in order for the teacher to enjoy teaching, and the students to enjoy learning, we have to do something. Otherwise, both, of, both sides will suffer. So would you agree that we, we do something in order for school teachers to enjoy the teaching and students to enjoy the learning? Because the suffering in us prevents us from doing so. So I, I should tell you my uh, suffering, my difficulties. And you should also tell me of your difficulties, your suffering. We should understand each other. And after we have a mutual understanding, uh, we don't blame each other anymore. We don't make it difficult for each other anymore. And we can uh, uh, go uh, more uh, easily and quickly on the path of uh, teaching and learning. There are many things that we can uh, do in the classroom in order to help uh, students to suffer less. Like uh, school teachers leading a session of uh, total deep relaxation. because uh, the young people, they have uh, tension in their body, in their feelings also. And uh, a good student can also learn how to lead a session of total relaxation for the whole class. Lying on the grass, and so on. If you notice that uh, a boy or a girl suffers in a class, she seems to be very upset. Her mind is not there. How can she learn? So we can address uh, her and ask her what is wrong. And she may say that uh, my mother was hospitalized this morning, and I don't know if she can survive or not. And with that, with that kind of feeling, how can she learn? And you cannot impose uh, your will on her. So the teacher can 
and addressed the whole class and said that uh, we have um, we have a student whose mother is hospitalized and she worried much about that. Shall we, the whole class, uh, practice uh, breathing together mindfully? And uh, we send this uh, energy of mindfulness and compassion to her mother. And using that kind of collective energy of mindfulness generated by the breathing done by teachers and other students, you can help calm down uh, that student and she may be able to follow the class. And there are things like, like that that we school teachers can do. And there are difficult uh, elements in the class. And if you look deeply, you will see why that little boy, that uh, young man, that young woman uh, behave in that way. So if we have enough uh, compassion to inquire, we find out. And the whole class may come and help. So listening to each other and understand the suffering of each other. We can uh, calm down the feelings, the emotions. We can uh, promote uh, mutual understanding and we don't make each other suffer anymore. We make it easier for everyone in the task of teaching and learning. Henry, who was a professor of mathematics in the French school of uh, Toronto, after having spent three weeks in Plum Village, he went back to his school and practice mindfulness with his students. He walks slowly and mindfully into the class and he begins to erase what on the blackboard um, mindfully and they say, dear teacher, are you sick? <laughs> I said, no, no, I'm not sick. I just practice mindful walking, mindful uh, wiping out the things and that. I enjoy that. I feel a lot of, of peace. I'm much relaxed because I have learned mindfulness. And would you like me to tell you about what I do in Plum Village? Mm-hmm. And they listen. And then they agree that um, every 15 minutes, uh, a boy uh, will clap his hand because they did not have a bell of mindfulness. And everyone, including the teachers, practice mindful breathing and relax. Stop the thinking. And that helped very much in the learning. In the beginning, it was like a, a play, but finally it works very well. Transformation and healing took place and the class make a lot of progress. And uh, other classes, they follow the example. 
and uh, when uh, he came to the age of uh, retirement, the, administ the administration asked him to stay on for a few more years. He was able to bring uh, the practice of mindfulness into school and improve the quality of uh, learning and teaching in school. So the practice of loving speech and deep listening should create an, an atmosphere of mutual understanding in class. And the student will not make it difficult for teachers. And the quality of uh, teaching and learning will be improved. And mindfulness uh, can be practiced in the realm of uh, mindf uh, mindful consumption. Our society is a society of consumption. We believe that uh, happiness is to have uh, enough money to buy whatever you want to buy. That is an idea about happiness. But we already know that true happiness is made of understanding and love. And you cannot buy understanding and love in the supermarket. You have to generate these two things by the practice. And this again should be taught in school. The first uh, the kind of, uh, in, in the Buddhist tradition, we speak about uh, the four kinds of uh, nutrients, four kinds of uh, food, four kinds of consumption. And first of all, uh, it is uh, edible food. And that is the kind of food that you consume by the way of the mouth. And your health, your health uh, depends very much on uh, on what you what you eat. And uh, we should eat in such a way that can preserve uh, compassion in our heart and help uh, living beings to suffer less, and help uh, protect our planet. The consumption of uh, meat 
and alcohol has destroyed much of uh, our uh, environment and our health. We have learned that uh, eating meat is more polluting than driving a car. The meat industry and the alcohol industry has caused a lot of damage to our environment. And we learned that uh, the amount uh, of uh, grain used to make uh, alcohol and feed the livestock is huge. And tens of thousands of people uh, die every day because of the, of the lack of food. And the Buddha uh, told the story of a young couple who tried to flee from the country, to take uh, refuge in another country. They uh, brought their little boy with them. They had to cross a desert in order to go to the other country to take a political asylum. But they did not calculate uh, well. Halfway through the desert, they ran out of food. And they knew that they are going to die, three of them. So finally, they made a terrible uh, decision to kill the little boy and eat the flesh to survive, hoping to get out of the desert. So after having killed the boy, they ate one moss piece of that flesh and preserved the rest on the shoulder to dry. And every time after having eaten a, of that, uh, a piece of that flesh, they, they asked, where is now our beloved little boy? And they pulled their hair, they beat their chest, they suffer quite a lot. But finally, they got out of the desert and were accepted as refugees. The Buddha must have uh, heard the story directly from that couple. He told the people listening to him, Dear friends, do you think that the couple enjoy the eating the flesh of uh, their little boy. And they say, no, dear teacher, it's impossible for you to enjoy eating the flesh of your own boy. The Buddha then said that, uh, in that case, my friends, let, that, let us uh, consume, let, that, let us eat in such a way that you will not eat the flesh of our sons and daughters. The fourth 50,000 children who die every day because of the lack of food and nutrition. Who are they? They are our sons and our daughters. And the amount of grain that is used to make alcohol and meat should have been used in order to save the life of these children.
So to practice uh, eating and drinking mindfully, we can preserve our uh, compassion, protect life. If uh, there is no compassion in our heart, we cannot be a happy person. And this, our students can understand. And we learn that if we can reduce uh, the eating of meat and uh, drinking of alcohol in uh, developed countries, we can already transform the situation of the earth. So to stop eating meat, to stop drinking alcohol, or to reduce it significantly, we can save our planet. We can save life. We can uh, preserve our uh, our compassion. That is the first uh, source of nutriment: edible food. The second uh, source of nutriment is uh, sensorial uh, impressions. You consume not with uh, your mouth, but with your eyes, ear, nose, body, mind. When you uh, read, uh, when you read a newspaper, a newspaper you consume. When you watch television, you consume. When you listen to a conversation or to music, you consume. And what you consume in every day might contain a lot of poisons and toxins that is not good for your health. Our children, they consume uh, television several hours a day. Many boys and girls spend five hours or more with electronic games. And there's a lot of violence and craving and fear and anger in what they consume. So consuming that amount of toxins and poison will not be good for our physical health and mental health. Even psychotherapists, they are supposed to help patients, but they spend a lot of time listening to stories of suffering. A lot of despair and hate and sorrow. If psychotherapists don't know how to practice generating joy, happiness, compassion, <coughs> She, she will lose the balance, and she will get sick. <clears throat> so we should know we should know our limits, so that we can continue for a long time in our efforts to help others. A conversation can be highly toxic, also. 
what the other person uh, tell you may be full of anger, <coughs> despair, violence. And during the one hour listening to him or to her, you consume. That is not healthy for, for you. So the young people, they are consuming a lot of uh, poisons and toxins, including violence and fear and despair and anger. And that is why in the, in the family and in the classroom, we have to discuss about the practice of the fifth mindfulness training, mindful consumption. Mindful consumption is the way out to assure uh, physical health and mental health, you have to practice uh, mindfulness of consumption. When you uh, watch a film, they stop the film from time to time for advertisement, and you consume advertisement. They want you to buy. And they touch uh, the seed of craving uh, in you. You don't need to buy, but they urge you to buy. And they think that if you don't buy it, you, you don't have happiness. They make you to believe that uh, happiness is possible when you have the money to buy things. But that is not a is not a right uh, view about happiness. True happiness is made of understanding and love. So our students, our children, have to learn about true happiness, and we should sit down as a family, as a classroom, to discuss about right mindful consumption. There are articles in the magazines, in the newspaper, that are full of anger, fear, violence. And journalists don't report enough about the the healthy things, like this retreat. They don't, it's not sensational, the breathing in and out and walking peacefully. And the stories they, they cover and the stories that we read uh, always contains a lot of uh, anger, despair, violence, and so on. That day was uh, the day to commemorate uh, the death of uh, Mahatma Gandhi. I was in New Delhi. 
and the newspaper, uh, the, in, uh, the Times of India invited me to, to, to be guest editor of that day. Uh, edition of Peace, Peace Edition. So we, uh, we brought a number of monastics to come to the headquarters of the Times of India and prepare the edition, Peace Edition. That morning, bad news came. There was a bombing of a city in a, in a city nearby. And uh, we and other editors of the Times of India were sitting around a big table, and they asked Dear Thay, what journalists should do on a morning like this? Terrorist attacks, bombing. So I advise everyone to practice mindful breathing and calm down. They should not uh, say something right away. We have to say, say it in calm, with in insight. So after a few minutes of mindful breathing, I, say, I said, of course we have to report the news but we have to report in such a way that will not water the seed of anger and fear and violence that will be destructive. We report about the truth, but help people to understand why people do things like this. They are victims of uh, misunderstanding, They are motivated by anger and fear and the desire to, to punish. And they don't see that people does not, do not need uh, uh, punishment. They need help. So we should re- report. <clears throat> but there is a way of reporting that can water the seed of understanding and compassion in the heart of the readers. So in that day, we tried to write reports on the terrorist attack in such a way that help people to, to know why people have done such a thing to their own countrymen. And when you read it, you can see the water of understanding and compassion in you water. So if we consume without mindfulness, we get a lot of toxins and poisons, and we get sick. Our family will get sick. Our city will get sick. Our country will get sick. And we can easily involve ourselves into a war. The third kind of uh, nutriment is uh, volition. It means uh, our aspiration, our deepest desire. Each one of us uh, wants to do something with our life. 
And each one of us should have the time to sit down and ask ourselves, what do I want to do with my life? What is my deepest aspiration? Because there are those who think that uh, the deepest desire is to have a lot of money, to be number one in the in uh, business, to have a lot of power and fame and sex, sensual pleasure. But uh, running after these objects of craving can bring destruction to our body and mind. So that is not my deepest uh, aspiration. Uh, Terrorists, uh, what they want to do most is to punish and they may, they may believe that they do so in the name of justice of God. But it's motivated by the desire to punish, to destroy. And that is not good food. When you are motivated by anger, by the desire to punish, your nutriment is not healthy. But if you are motivated by the desire to help the young people to suffer less, that is good nutriment. If your desire is to change the world in a better direction, that is good food. If your desire is to help people to suffer less, to know how to practice true love, to promote mutual understanding, and reconciliation, that is good food. And when you have that block of energy in you, you are strong enough to overcome uh, whatever source, uh, whatever obstacles on your path. So the fourth uh, kind of nutriment is um, the fourth kind of nutriment is uh, a source of energy, and we have to find it out. If our deepest desire is to uh, protect the environment, to protect uh, Mother Earth, that is a good desire, that is a good food. You have a good motivation, and you want what you want to do with your life is uh, the fourth nutriment volition. And we have to help the young people to have a good aspiration, finding the meaning of life, making them their life meaningful, giving them a lot of uh, energy so that they have uh, something to do, meaningful to do with their life. And if uh, school teachers have it, have that source of energy in themselves, they can transmit to their students. I am a, also a teacher, and every day I transmit to my students, monastic and lay people, that kind of uh, energy 
And my students uh, have um, a very simple life, uh, especially the monastics. No one of them have a uh, individual bank account. No one of them have a salary. No one of them have a private home, private car. And yet, they are happy people. They build, they spend time building brotherhood, sisterhood, community of practice. They have organized retreats to help people suffer less. And we, uh, we operate not as individuals, but as uh, a community. Joy, happiness, compassion, are possible with simple life, provided that you have a source of inspiration, aspiration. That is the fourth nutriment, the ideal to serve and to help people suffer less. So teachers uh, should, uh, first of all, have that kind of aspiration, and then they can transmit to their students the same kind of energy and when they, the students have that can, kind of energy, they suffer less. They know where to go, <coughs> in what direction to go, and not to destroy their body and mind, uh, looking for sensual pleasures and so on. And the last uh, source of nutriment is uh, consciousness. consume our own consciousness. And there are good things in our consciousness to consume. In our consciousness, there is hell. There is also paradise, the kingdom of God. In Buddhism, we speak about consciousness in terms of seeds. There is a seat of uh, love. There is a seat of uh, compassion. There is a seat of joy. There is a seat of happiness. A seat of brotherhood, sisterhood, forgiveness. Many good things in our consciousness. And if we know how to water the seeds in every day, they will grow. And the paradise. The kingdom of God will be for us to consume. When you listen to a talk like this, when you have a discussion about compassion, how to help the people to suffer less, you water the good seeds in you, 
It means that paradise, the kingdom of God, is in you. You have it to manifest for yourself and for your beloved one. But there is also hell inside. Suffering, the suffering transmitted to our, to us by our parents and ancestors. Suffering that have not been understood, that have not been transformed, and that has been transmitted to you, to us. And if uh, we know the practice, we can transform them. Otherwise, they are always there in our consciousness. The suffering of our ancestors are still there in us. We continue to suffer the suffering of our ancestors. Their frustration, their anger, their fear are still in us. And also during our childhood, we may have suffered. We may have been abused with violence. And many of us tend to go back to that dark corner in our consciousness and to experience again and again the suffering of the past. We know that life in the present moment is wonderful. The blue sky, the beautiful uh, uh, trees, flowers, children. But we are not able, we are not capable of being established in the present moment because we had uh, a painful past. And many of us are drawn, drawn back to that dark corner of the past and watch again and again the projection of the films of the past in order to experience again and again the suffering of the past. That is a kind of prison. And if the other person, if your partner used to do that, you have to help him or her to get out. Darling, life is beautiful out out here in the present moment. Why do you go back always to that dark place? That is only the past. The past is already gone. And with mindfulness, with joy, you can help bring him or her out of that uh, dark corner of consciousness. Because uh, there is paradise, there is a kingdom of God in the present moment for you to enjoy. Why do you have to go back to the past and that corner? And of course, um, psychotherapists are trying to help uh, us to do the same. But if uh, psychotherapists uh, can do it by themselves, then they can, they can help the patient to do the same. <clears throat> and then there is uh, the collective consciousness as food. We know that there are very angry groups of people. full of despair and violence and anger. There are neighborhoods like that. 
where children are born and grow. And uh, everyone in that, that neighborhood is uh, generating hate, anger, fear, despair, and violence every day. And as you are born and grow in that, you consume every day. And you cannot be a happy person if you consume that collective energy of hate, anger, violence. And if you happen to live in that uh, neighborhood, you should wake up and know that this is not a healthy environment. You have to pull out as soon as possible and look for a healthier environment to heal yourself and help heal your children. Because you don't want to consume that collective energy of anger and hate. And after having practiced and healed ourselves, we can come back as a community to help, but not before. I think uh, as uh, a minister of environment, a minister of, uh, um, of education, uh, taking care of urbanism, we have to meditate on this uh, matter. How to transform this uh, violent uh, neighborhood full of fear and anger? What kind of practice that can help uh, heal this is a very important issue. And uh, to create a community where there is a brotherhood, sisterhood, and joy is to create a healthy environment. That is the most wonderful thing. And if you put yourself into that atmosphere, if your children have the, have the opportunity to live in such a healthy atmosphere, they grow up as happy people. So community building is very important. And belonging to a group of people, we try to practice in such a way that show the people how to consume they should not allow ourselves to consume the collective energy of anger. That is not good for our health, for the health of our nation. We should have uh, compassion and understanding that will heal us and help heal the people whom we think to be our enemies. And we know that if we have enough peace and joy and compassion, we can serve many people. And we don't need to think of uh, divorce, separation anymore. We don't need of uh, establishing a separate country anymore. Because uh, there is enough understanding, compassion, and happiness. If we are thinking of divorcing, separating, uh, setting up a separate uh, uh, nation, it is because we do not have enough compassion, understanding, 
brotherhood, sisterhood, joy and happiness. And with the practice of mindfulness, you will have enough of these things and you don't have to think about uh, other things. So the five mindfulness trainings are the very concrete uh, um, expression of the practice of mindfulness. And if we ourselves and, uh, and the young people live according to the five uh, practice of mindfulness and then happiness is possible, compassion is possible, healing is possible. And uh, a school teacher should, uh, in, should uh, embody that kind of uh, mindful living, that kind of compassion and understanding and they will uh, help uh, the young generation tremendously in the transformation and healing. We continue tomorrow.